Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Friday, December 4th, 2020. On this day in 1971, a bomb exploded in McGurk's Bar in Belfast, Northern Ireland. It was one of the deadliest bombings in Irish history. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the extreme nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the bombing of McGurk's Bar in Belfast that left over a dozen people dead. Let's go back to the evening of December 4th, 1971, a few minutes before 9 p.m. It was a cold night to be outside in Northern Ireland. Chilly air rushed from the sea to the island nation, bringing sudden sleet and snow, especially in Belfast. Many people huddled together in their warm homes, waiting out the storm. But none of that stopped 14-year-old Pat Arthas from enjoying a bit of freedom in the streets. Pat knew her mother, Kathleen, would come around the corner at any moment and usher her home to say her prayers. Her parents were devout Catholics, but they were also warm neighbors. They often met their friends for a pint at McGurk's Bar on North Queen Street, and that night was no exception. <laughs> McGurk's was full of warmth and cheer and was packed as usual that Saturday. Patrick and Philomena McGurk, who owned the bar and lived above it with their children, poured pints and worked the room. The atmosphere was jovial and familiar, so few noticed when an inconspicuous car pulled to a stop a few doors down from the venue. A man emerged wearing a thick coat, bulky enough to hide a package inside. While the man casually headed into McGurk's, the driver and another passenger waited with the car still in gear. Nobody knows exactly what the man did in the bar, but he re-emerged just a few minutes later and climbed back inside the vehicle. The wheelman floored it and sped away. A few minutes later, at 8.45 p.m., McGurk's bar exploded. A few blocks away, Pat Arthas was keeping an eye out for her mom when she heard the massive blast. She and several other neighbors saw the smoke plume up from behind a row of homes. They all sprinted toward the blast site. When they arrived, they found McGurk's was no more. The building was engulfed in flames and had partially collapsed. When she saw the carnage, Pat said, I remember running down to the scene. It was just completely flattened. People came from everywhere. They were on their hands and knees. They were passing the rubble one by one. They were in a big line shouting, 
There's one. There's one. It was just total chaos. Emergency services arrived within minutes to tackle the fires and help the wounded. But for many victims, it was too late. Fifteen people were dead in the rubble, and another 16 were injured. Pat's mother, Kathleen, Philomena McGurk, and her 14-year-old daughter, Maria, were among the victims. Pat's father barely survived and spent the night in and out of consciousness, calling for his wife, Kathleen. Pat said, After that was like a total blur. There were that many different stories being told. My granny gave me and my brother wee jobs to do about the house, to try and keep us busy. But you were hearing people saying things like they were bringing people out in black bags. It was terrible. It really was. In spite of all the speculation and attention after the bombing, it would be years before the true details of the attack emerged. Coming up, the dark political machinations behind the horrific bombing. Hi, it's Greg. I want to tell you about a fantastic podcast show I know you'll love that dives deep into some of history's most notorious leaders. It's called Dictators, and every Tuesday, it examines the reign of a real-life tyrant, exploring the unique conditions that allowed them to seize control. Dictators have a never-ending thirst for power. Some seize this power through force, others through deceit, and all of them won't hesitate to eliminate anybody who stands in their way. You can hear episodes on dictators from the Roman Empire like Caligula, World War II dictators like Benito Mussolini, female dictators like Isabella of France, and many more. There are over 40 episodes available to binge right now that I know you'll find fascinating. Discover the governments that fell, the lives that were destroyed, and evil at its highest level. Follow Dictators Free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On December 4, 1971, a huge explosion destroyed McGurk's Bar in Belfast, killing 15 people and wounding nearly 20 others. But the bombing wasn't the only emergency that night. Within two hours of the blast, the surrounding neighborhood became a war zone. Police and soldiers responding to the bombing were fired upon and had to retreat. One was killed by the gunfire. The explosion had reignited simmering political tensions in Northern Ireland. There were two main factions in Belfast at the time, the Protestant British Loyalists and the Catholic Irish Republicans. Militant Irish Republicans, some of which comprised the Irish Republican Army, or IRA, desired Ireland's independence from British rule by any means necessary. Loyalists, on the other hand, opposed the idea of Ireland's independence. For over a decade, the groups had been attacking each other in the open streets of the city. Bombings, shootings, and brawls were commonplace. Families and towns were divided along faction lines, and British military presence was constant. In the immediate aftermath of the bombing, 
British authorities were put in charge of the investigation. They quickly decided that the blast was the result of an accidental detonation of an explosive device that was already being stored inside the bar. The explanation essentially laid blame on the victims themselves, as British investigators stated that members of the Irish Republican Army were present at the time of the blast. Their conclusion was that the IRA intended to plant the bomb somewhere else, but it had prematurely detonated, killing its makers along with innocent bystanders. However, the conclusion of this investigation was wholly influenced by the complicated politics of Northern Ireland. From the late 1960s through the 1990s, a period known as the Troubles, Northern Ireland was hotly contested territory. McGurk's Bar, as well as several others in the area, were known to be IRA-friendly. This made it convenient for British authorities to blame them for the explosion. But as eyewitness reports eventually coalesced around the sightings of the suspicious men and the car that night at McGurk's, it became obvious that the bombing was not an accident. Forensic analysis revealed a 50-pound package had been planted under the rear entrance of the bar before the explosion. The manhunt for the three men and the driver turned up little, but a paramilitary group called the Ulster Volunteer Force was ultimately blamed. The British Loyalist group had claimed responsibility for violence in the past, so it wasn't difficult for people to believe they were behind McGurk's. The scars of the bombing lasted for years. Pat Arthas recalled her father, who survived the blast but lost his wife, having nightmares for the rest of his life. She said, It seemed to go on every night where he cried and he relived the whole explosion. It was a very sad time. Seven years later, a separate investigation into the UVF led to the arrest of loyalist Robert Campbell. He admitted to being one of the passengers in the car for the McGurk bombing, though he was not the one who actually planted the device. In a high-profile trial, Campbell was convicted and given 15 life sentences, one for each victim. Unfortunately, the other bombers were never found. The McGurk bombing remains one of the worst in Ireland's difficult history. Hopefully in time, each of the victims will receive the justice that is long overdue. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out the Spotify original, Conspiracy Theories. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Bennett Logan. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out The Dictator's Podcast. 
Every Tuesday, they go deep into the minds of some of history's most despised despots. You'll get insight into their rise to power and the impact of their downfall. Search for Dictators in the Spotify app and listen free today.